0: You are listening to Melbourne Light Church Weekly Podcast. Um, If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter four? Um, I want to talk into this thing of discipleship again. You know, Matthew twenty-eight verse nineteen and twenty says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of all that I have commanded you. As you're going, every day in every way, be thinking and." actually doing this thing of making disciples, that everything we do should be geared around this. As you go, whatever you're doing, can you make disciples? And I love these testimonies. It's like at work and as you're on a phone call with somebody from work and when you're at the shops and when you're at the Oval and when you're at your kid's sport and when you go out on the street and whether it's organized or not organized, every day in every way, are we thinking making disciples? And we've read this verse a lot in the season that we're in as a church. We've, uh, we've We've been kind of working out of this. And we're asking the question though, are we actually seeing the fruit of discipleship? Because it's great to read this. I mean, I think if you've been in church for any amount of time, this is probably a scripture that you've heard. Go make disciples of all nations. But I think we have to be, be honest and ask the question, are we actually seeing the fruit of discipleship in, our, in us and through us? You know, are we seeing that fruit in us as a church? How do we grow and get better at making disciples? Because none of us have got it perfect. Even if you're already doing it, you know, we're all, we all want to grow. We, we, we don't have, you know, it's not, I'm not standing up here saying, saying I'm perfect at this. I, you know, I'm on a journey of saying how do I do this better? How do we do this better as a church? How do we see more multiplication? And that's why we're sort of teaching around this on Sundays and in our midweek extras and doing discipleship group training and that sort of stuff. We want to get better at it. We don't just want to talk about discipleship. We want to actually do it. We don't just want to talk about uh, outreach or ministering to people or healing. We actually want to see people get saved. We actually want to see people get healed. And I love that as we step out, we see more and more of it. Through our discipleship group training um, over the coming weeks, we're going to help define, uh, if, if we can, um, what discipleship looks like. You know, what does the Bible say discipleship is? What, what is it and what is it not? Because um, there's a lot of, you know, we can all have ideas of it, but what does the Bible actually say it is? How, you know, how do we do it? And hopefully, as we journey with this together as a church, um, we're, we're equipped and released to all make disciples. Not just a few group leaders, not just a few, you know, preachers, but every single one of us that will actually be empowered to see the fruit of discipleship. And so um, th- th- there's a lot that we'll get into of the practical sort of stuff over the coming weeks and the, the what and the how. But as I've been thinking about this, I I think some of the biggest challenges in making disciples actually starts with our own hearts. We actually have to allow God to adjust our hearts, to give us his love for those that he loves, to actually look at ourselves and say, God, what do you need to change in me so that I can minister to others? The challenge starts first before we get to the how and the what. It starts with our heart. I mean, that's kind of everything in the kingdom, isn't it? Before we get to the how and the what, it's God, look at my heart. And uh, I got to inter- interview my dad um, you know, last week for our online live, and uh, you know, some of you guys might have tuned in and, and watched that in our live stream, and to sort of pick his brain about discipleship from 52, 52 years of following Jesus. He's been walking with Jesus for 52 years. And so I, I, I don't usually say, you know, go back and listen to old stuff, but if you didn't get a chance to listen to that um, or to watch it, please Set some time aside this week. You can, you can watch the video. You can listen to it on the podcast. It's on all of the streaming things. It's videos on YouTube and Facebook and whatever. It's just um, it's going to be really helpful and foundational. There's some real gold in there, um, just of, you know, what we're talking about in discipleship and learning. Um, one of the things that came up in our discussion, as, and I was asking him questions and just letting him sort of answer and talk, you know, out of his experience and out of, you know, what, the, what we see in the Word... Um, was that in much of what we talk and much of of what we teach as believers, we assume behind that, for each of us as we hear it, a commitment to growth. So in, in a lot of the stuff that we teach and we talk about and we preach, we assume that there's a desire for each of us to keep growing. To become more like Jesus. Something we talk about when we have our added to church sort of lunches, when new people come in. That one of the things that, you know, to be added into this church, that we assume that you actually want to grow. You actually want to become more like, like Jesus. And, and we want to commit to that process of becoming more like Jesus. Um, Acts 2 says that they committed themselves to the things that caused them to grow, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, to prayer. It wasn't like you know, somebody pushed them to it. They went, no, no, we want to become more like Jesus. We want to actually step out in these things. So there's a commitment to growing and changing and being transformed. But often sort of, we, you know, we assume that everyone wants to grow, that everyone wants to come uh, and be more like Jesus. But the reality is, if, I think if you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably seen that there's some people who, who seem to be committed to growing in the relationship with Jesus and they're moving on and they're responding. But there's also people who seem to come to meetings every now and then and sometimes you see them and sometimes you don't and sometimes they're there, but they don't really ever change or have more impact. And so to, my question is, I don't think we can just, like, you know, we can't just make those assumptions that everybody's wanting to grow because that's not necessarily what we always see. So, you know, my prayer is that God transforms our hearts and stirs a hunger in us. But why is that? You know, why is it that sometimes it seems like not everyone's growing and seeing greater impact and becoming more like Jesus? And I think that's because there's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Believing is not following because James, uh, James 2, verse 19 says, even the demons believe and tremble. So, I mean, even, <laughs> even demons believe that Jesus is there. Believing is not the same as following. Have you found Matthew 4? We're all going to go to Matthew 4. So Matthew 4, we're going to read from verse 19 to verse 25. It says this, and he said to them, this is Jesus calling the disciples. He said, follow me. That's a great way to start. Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. I love that, immediately, not like down the track, not some other, immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, they saw, uh, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Love this. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spreads throughout all Syria. And they, not, this is now not just the guys that he called to follow him, but they, the, the broader crowd, um, brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, the paralytics, and he healed them, and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem to Judea and beyond, from beyond the Jordan. See, when Jesus calls the disciples, he says, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, just come and believe in me. He says, follow me, and there'll be, in the following, there'll be a transformation that takes place. I'll take you from being natural fishermen, being good at something in the natural, to being spiritual fishermen. Follow me and there'll be transformation that takes place. Believing is good. Let's not kind of swing the fence. We have to believe. Believing is the starting point. We have to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord to be saved. That's the starting point. But following is where impact and transformation takes place. Believing is like coming to the door and we believe and the door is opened. But without following, we just stand there. We never step into the house. We never begin to live in what God's called us to. Following as opposed to just believing, following requires sacrifice. It requires action. It requires our yes. See, uh, salvation is not based on our action. It's a free gift, it's a gift of grace. It's simply, I believe and I receive it from you because God's offered it. But to grow, to have impact does require our action. That's why Paul writes, faith without works, the outworking of our faith is dead. We don't don't earn our salvation, but we work it out in following Jesus and becoming more like him. Followers say, if the Bible says it, I'm gonna do it. If the Bible says I can walk in it, I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to believe it. Even if I don't see the fullness of it yet, I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to go after what the Bible says I can have, and I can walk in, and I can live in. It's, uh, sometimes we say it's radical obedience, but I don't like that, that phrase. We, we want to change that to it's biblically normal. Because, you know, it's actually, it, it shouldn't just be the radical ones who, who look at the word and say, if it says that I'm going to do it. That should, be Bibli- that should be normal for all of us. That should be normal Christianity. The normal Christian life is to say, if it says it, we're going to do it. You know, if we see it, we're going to respond to it, not just the radical ones. Although, at times, it can look like, um, like we're radical in doing it. We see a difference in this passage between the disciples who followed him and the crowds who came to him. The crowds believed. They came with their need. They came to see what was happening. They came because they heard there was something going on. But the disciples immediately left everything and followed him. The crowds came and went. The disciples followed. So my first point is this. Following Jesus comes at a cost. We want to move from being believers to being followers. And we might be somewhere in between, and we might be following in some areas, but we want to be radically sold-out followers of Jesus. Following comes at a cost. See, when we have a commitment to follow Jesus, there's a cost that goes with that commitment. Gabby shared this scripture in our midweek extra during the week, and the heading is the cost, it actually is the cost of following Jesus. It's Luke 9, verse 57. So if you want to know what the cost of following Jesus is, he, he tells us right here. He says this, Luke 9, verse 57, As they were going along the road someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. I think they might have heard about this thing where he's saying, hey, come and follow me and I'll make you fit. So, So someone shouts out, I want to follow you too. I'll follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's kind of a weird response. to Someone's like, I'll follow you. And what he's saying is, no, no, there's a cost to that. And He didn't say you can't follow me. He just says, I don't know if you understand what you're saying. To another, he said, follow me. But the person said, Lord, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Now, he's not saying my father's passed away and I need to do the funeral. It was a cultural thing of saying, let me wait until my father passes away. I get my inheritance, my my natural inheritance, and then I'll follow you. You know, when all all the ducks are in a row, I've got my money, I've got my resource, then I can come follow you. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So the guy guy gives an excuse as to why he can't. Jesus still says, don't focus on that. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another he said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first farewell those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a cost to being a follower. The crowds, those who, who just believed, came and went as they pleased. But followers have left everything for the sake of following Jesus. They've said Jesus is first in everything. Before possessions, before, before family, before earthly inheritance, before jobs. And those things aren't bad, it's just that they're not first. Jesus is first in everything. That's the cost of being a follower not just a believer. Jesus says in Matthew sixteen twenty four, it says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To put self to death and to follow him. This is not some sort of metaphorical idealism. It's not just like uh, this thought out there. It's literally, Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. It's literally denying yourself and putting Jesus before everything else because I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, I'm his now. So my question for us, there's a cost to following Jesus. What this morning do you need to lay down so you can follow Jesus wholeheartedly? If we're going to pursue this thing of discipleship, is there something that you're still holding before him? You know, I, I, we preached a couple months ago around lordship. Uh, you know, to say it another way, what do you still need to bring under the lordship of Jesus? See, maybe you've responded to him for salvation, and, you, and, and you're beginning to walk out that, and you're beginning to you know, even see some freedom come. But are there still areas of your life that if you're honest with yourself— you're still the Lord of that area, not Jesus. You haven't submitted it to his lordship. If he said, I want you to lay that down, would you say, gladly because I'm following you, or would you say, heck no. Heck no. Jeez, every now and then I realize I have an accent. <laughs> what do you still need to bring under his lordship? There's a cost to following Jesus. Secondly, my second point is this. Following Jesus requires our complete obedience complete obedience in 1st kings 11 verse 6 says this so solomon did what was evil in the sight of the lord and did not wholly follow the lord or did not follow the lord completely as david his father had done following jesus requires our total devotion our complete obedience not partial obedience partial obedience is not obedience I teach this to my, my, my young sons. I love them. And we, you know, I'm trying to help them grow it to be men of, that, carry, that are mature, that carry weight, that follow Jesus. But I say to them, doing part of it is not obedience. If I ask you to, I don't know, to, to, to set the table and all you do is bring out the plates and then you run off and do something else, that's not obedience. You've only done half of the thing. I mean, that, you know, that's a silly example, but in all of it, like, you know, it's the same when we follow Jesus. Jesus says, you know, will you do this? Will you follow me? Will you lay that down? And we go, yeah, I'll do this part of it, but the other part I don't want to do. We don't have the choice of picking what we obey and what we ignore. Many people who profess to be Christians around the world at the moment are picking what they want to obey and what they want to ignore. We don't have that choice if we're followers. We can say, I believe Jesus, and I choose the bits that I like. But if we're followers, there's no picking and choosing. That's what the crowds did. When they didn't like what he was saying, they left. They came, they came with the need. They came to see what was happening. But then when they didn't like what he said, they left. And even in John 6, verse 67, Jesus says to his own disciples, are you going to leave also? Do you want to go away as well, he says. There's a lot of people in the world who believe in Jesus, but who aren't following him. We don't want to be those people. We want to be a church who doesn't just believe in Jesus, but do what we want, but that we actually follow him, that we submit every area of our life to his lordship, whether it's, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, it's stepping out and praying for the sick, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our finances, whether it's, you know, what we believe about who we are and our identity, whatever it is, that every area is submitted to his lordship. There's a lot of people who choose the parts of the Bible that they like. Or as the, it says in, in the New Testament, they choose teachers who teach what they want to hear. But following Jesus requires our complete obedience. Can I just say that you know, in, in this season where we haven't been able to meet in person, the, the internet has been helpful for us. It's, it's enabled us to continue to kind of get together. But it also can be very unhelpful because you can go find anyone you want to hear. Anyone that just approves what you know, or just kind of um, lines up with what you already believe. It doesn't challenge us at all. No, oh, no, no, I don't like that. I'm just going to go find someone who teaches the stuff that I already think is true. We have got to be careful about that. I'm not saying don't listen to things. I'm just saying, you know, we have to actually ask yourself, am I only looking for stuff that's going to approve what I already think I believe? Following Jesus thirdly requires a hunger for more of him and we have a commitment to following jesus there's a hunger for more of him and that's what he fills with his spirit we can't do this on our own and we have to realize that you know if we actually want to follow him and want to become more like him we realize i can't change myself i need more of his presence i need more of his infilling i'm hungry for more of him and it says that that he, then he pours out his spirit he gives us his very spirit Often people who just believe are trying to do it in their own strength because they haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because I, I, I believe, and we see it in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is waiting for people who are committed to following Jesus. His whole job uh, is to bring glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Lord, and we need more of him. We need him to fill us. And, and he, you know, when we're full of him, then everything about us becomes about bringing glory to Jesus. About more of him. So, when we're hungry for more of him, he gives us more of his presence and it glorifies him more. It's this beautiful like, circle that keeps going and increasing. When we're following him, we, in, in a sense, naturally want to become more like him. And that's where growth comes. There's a hunger, there's a desperation for more of his spirit because we can't do this on, on our own. I can't, I can't pray for the sick and see them healed on my own. I need his presence. I can't save anyone, I can't heal anyone, I can't, I can't change anyone. I can give you good ideas, but we realize when, I wanna, when I'm following Jesus, not just showing up to a meeting and saying, yep, I believe that's great, you guys go do it. But when I actually want to follow him and become like him, I have to be desperate for more of his presence, to be desperate for more of him. I need his presence, I need his empowering. I need it to, to, for my life, but I need it to, to transform others. I need it to overflow into other people. Everything flows from that first commitment, I'm not just going to believe Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus. Following Jesus starts, in a sense, like, what's the starting point? You know, what's the, the handle to take away? It starts with being doers of his word, not just hearers. James 1 verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, Deceiving yourselves. So often we, we blame the, the enemy for it, but, but the reality is we've deceived ourselves because we've, we've, we've heard stuff that we haven't put into practice in my life. We haven't put into action. There's no point knowing more of the Bible. Can I say this? And you guys go, <gasps> There's no point knowing, knowing more of the Bible if you're not going to put it into practice. You know, oh, that, that doesn't sound right. No, no, it's true because all that produces is Pharisees hypocrites who think that they're mature and superior, but their lives don't produce fruit. And that's who Jesus goes after most in the scriptures. It's not those who don't know. It's not those who have messed up. It's not the broken, you know, all the ones that we would think, oh, Jesus is going to give them a hard time, the ones that are living in sin and and brokenness. No, no. He goes after the religious ones who know all the stuff but haven't put it into practice in their life. There's no point knowing more of the Bible if we're not going to do it. Because it produces Pharisees, it produces falseness. Following Jesus, being, hearing the word, being doers, is obedience on every level. I shared this in, in our midweek extra, but I wanna share it again. When I discipline my boys, and it's interesting that the word discipline and discipleship are closely linked, because being a disciple of Jesus is disciplining ourselves. When I discipline them, it's not so that they're just nice boys, I don't wanna raise just nice boys. I want to raise uh, warrior men who are radical followers of Jesus. I want them to obey. When I say obey the first time, it's not so that I look good when we're out at the shops and I say stop doing that. And they go, oh, yeah. And everyone goes, wow, that's amazing. No, no. It's so that when Jesus speaks to them, they obey the first time. To never discipline your kids because you're embarrassed. Because they're embarrassing. No, no. It's because when we say something the first time, we want them to respond the first time. So that when Jesus says something the first time, they respond the first time. We don't want just nice Christians. Well, oh, that's nice. Bless you, brother. Oh, bless you. Hey, we don't want just nice Christians. We want radical warriors. We want people who are going to take nations, who are going to see push back the powers of hell. We're going to see the kingdom advance. We don't want just nice. I'm sick of just nice. What radical Jesus warriors, radical followers who are willing to lay down everything. Where are the church planters? Where are those who are the, the sold-out missionaries that are willing to sell everything and go and never come back? Not like, oh, I'm going to go for a couple years, see how it goes, see what works out, but I'm going to hold on, have a back, you know, a, an exit, a back door to go back to where I was in my comfortable life. No, no, I'm going, I'm never coming back, see you later. I mean, that's like the missionaries of history that we've seen. Where are the ones that are willing to lay down their life for the, for the gospel? I mean, most of us aren't even willing to be embarrassed for the gospel. Where are the ones that are going to take nations? Tyron, who leads the, the, the team that we partner with as a, you know, as a church, says often, most of the nations that are left to be reached in the world that haven't heard the gospel are nations where if you go and preach the gospel, you're not coming back from it. I'm leading this church because I said, God, you've called me to this nation. I'm not American. I might sound it and we joke about my accent. I'm Australian. I'm staying here till the day I die unless you call me somewhere else. This is home. Where are those who give everything to see churches established and communities transformed? It's time to move from believers to followers. Willing to pay the price complete obedience, hunger for more of His presence, and then we go and do it. Not just talk about it, we actually do it. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.